We're in the middle of uh, Lent. Lent is a period of 40 days commemorating the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness before his ministry. Even though we may reflect on Jesus' suffering and the cross, it doesn't have to be. This season doesn't have to be always dark and gloomy. In Eastern Orthodox, so this season is known as bright sadness. I don't know if you may think that is oxymoron, but it's a bright sadness. It makes sense. I like that. It is sad, but it is not hopeless sadness. At the end of darkness, there is light waiting for us. At the end of temptation, there is a victory. At the end of death, there is resurrection. Life is not always good. Life is not always bad either. Life is not always bright. There are times when life can be quite gloomy. But there are times when things are so good, too. The secret is, how do we deal, how we deal with each situation with graciousness? Graciousness to yourself and to others. Yes, there are valleys and hills in life. Count Basie. American jazz pianist said, learn to deal with the valleys and the hills will take care of themselves. So true. Learn to deal with your time of temptation and the rest of it, it will take care of itself. Even Jesus was tempted. He was tired, hungry, after 40 days of fasting. I mean, 40 days. Even if we, we skip one meal, we go crazy. <laughs> one day, oh my goodness. One week and 40 days, he was fasting. So he was very weak and vulnerable. And the devil knows when we are vulnerable. He does tempt us all the time. He knows when we are weakest and vulnerable, most vulnerable, and he comes and attacks us. And that's what the devil did to Jesus. When he was the weak, at the weakest point, the devil came and tempted him. Temptation was reality even for Jesus. He was not immune from temptation of life. Jesus had to overcome hard time. He did not live an easy life. He lived 33 years, short time, but still that life was full of dramas, persecutions, criticisms, rejection, alienation, all kinds of things he had to deal with. The life's bad things he had to 
deal with. So when you go through your own time of suffering, hardships, trials, rejection and all that, even depression, don't get too discouraged. Jesus had the same trials as you do. Realize that living a good life does not mean that problem, living a problem-free life. That's not necessarily the definition of good life. Good life does not necessarily exclude problems. In spite of problems, you can have a good life. Temptations are always around us. Always around. And they're waiting when you are the most vulnerable and then attack you. It's like a cold. You know, it's all viruses all around us, but when we are the weakest and then come and attack us. Same thing with the temptation. I'm going to talk about three phases of temptation today with you. Temptation makes you less than who you are. You can be much better, but always temptation makes you less than yourself. So when Satan came to Jesus, he always asked this question first. If you are the son of God. So temptation always come and then take away that, you know, we are the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. Always, when we, uh, temptation tries to, uh, uh, make you less than who you really are. So I'm going to uh, talk about three aspects of temptations. And these three things affect our lives deeply. And you see all of them in Jesus' story of temptation. These three things are worry, doubt, and grief. Temptation has these three faces. Nobody is immune from these temptations. And these temptations take away joy from us. And they cause problems in our lives and can even ruin us. First, worry. We worry about many things. Worrying has become our lifestyle. It has become a part of who we are, part of what we do all the time. We worry about our health. We worry about our future. We worry about our children. We worry about our problems. We worry about everything. One moment we worry about our health and the doctor tells you, your health is okay. Then we turn around, we worry about money. And then when money is okay, then we worry about our children. Constantly, we are just creating uh, continuous worries for ourselves. If we don't worry, then we worry. Why don't I worry? <laughs> I'm supposed to worry today. How come? So it very makes, makes us anxious. More than anything, anything else, we worry about our survival. You may call it existential anxiety. 
When Jesus was very, very hungry, he was not just hungry, 40 days fasting, he was at the verge of dying. Survival was the, he was, his survival was at risk. And Satan knew when to attack. So Satan told him to change the stone into bread. What does that mean? Change the stone into bread. What does that mean? Amen. Stop fasting. Worry about your survival. That's what Satan is doing. Stop fasting. Worry about your own survival. I mean, to the ministry, don't you have to survive first, don't you? That's what Satan is doing. Very tempting suggestion. And this is what Jesus said. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is Jesus saying? Satan, don't worry about my survival. God will take care of my survival. You don't need to worry about my survival. That is the best way to defeat our worries. Have a confidence that God will take care of you, especially survival. God will take care of your basic needs. There's nothing for you to worry about. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Oh, how beautiful it is. These words are so beautiful. Every word is like treasure. I want you to keep that in your heart as like treasure in your heart. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. And then Jesus said this. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That is exactly what, that was exactly what Jesus did in the wilderness. Many times our worries are not real. We worry about nothing actually. What's not going to happen? So Penn State University uh, people, they uh, were interested in this uh, subject of worry. So they did uh, research on that. For 30 days, they gathered participants. And for 30 days, they studied. And they uh, asked them, whenever you uh, uh, worry about something, I want you to write down on your notebook. So for 30 days, whenever the, the uh, worries came up, they wrote down uh, their worries. After 30 days, 
It is a habit. You have to deal with a habit too. You have to overcome it through another habit. So whenever worry come up, I worry too. I, whenever worry comes up, I always put it in God's hand. I wrote down in my prayer time. It's just simply prayer time. I don't worry about it. I don't uh, mull over it. I just put it down as a prayer time and pray about it and leave it in God's hands. You cannot do anything about the birds flying over your uh, head, but you don't want uh, to let uh, birds come down on your head and uh, build a nest. Right? Worries always go around, and you don't want to take it and then, uh, let, let it build a nest on your head. Just write down as a prayer time and leave it in God's hand. Do not focus on your worry. Focus on God. That's what I'm doing. Whenever worries come, I don't focus and turn into prayer topics. I focus Hear God's word who tells you not to worry about your survival. We do not live by bread alone. We need God's word. Second temptation is doubt. Doubt is another huge problem for many people. We doubt about everything. We doubt about God. We doubt about ourselves. We doubt about others. Especially when you are hurt by other people, you doubt about them, and uh, doubt makes us become very cynical. Doubting is like closing door for yourself. Trusting is opening the doors that take you into deeper mystery. That's what trusting is. But doubt is closing that door for yourself. 
So even Jesus could not do wonderful miracles in his hometown because they closed the door. They doubted. They didn't believe. So Jesus could not do much. Jesus said to Satan, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What is he saying by this? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. What Jesus says, do not put the seed of doubt within my heart. Don't put the seed of doubt in me so that I can, I doubt about God. Seed of doubt. We put it in our heart and we let it grow. And you're doubting about everything. And doubting about yourself too. Faith is a wonderful gift God gave to us. It is most beautiful gift God through faith, we can see wonderful things in life. With the eyes of faith, what you see is very different. Just because two people live same thing, uh, uh, do the same thing, don't think that they live the two same life. What they eat and what they do, it may be the same. Work and all that, it's all the same. But depending on your whether you have faith or not, Two lives are so radically different because with the eyes of faith, you see things differently. You see different things. With faith, you can even do the impossible. Once a father who has an ill son came to Jesus and said this, if you are able to do anything, pity on us and help us. And this is how Jesus responded. If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. All things can be done for the one who believes. I believe that. I believe what Jesus said. When you live your life, you always hit the plateau. It's in every field. Musicians, at some point, they hit the plateau. They, the ceiling, they can't go beyond. Athletes, they hit the plateau. Scientists, they hit the plateau. And life too. Sometimes when we live our lives, we hit the plateau. What can break down this plateau? What can break down this ceiling and go beyond? That's faith. No more skill there. It's your attitude. So attitude that you have, then either you're breaking uh, the plateau or just living under the ceiling. Compromising yourself. That's what doubt does. Makes you doubt about your ability. 
doubt about God, doubt about everything. If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. During this Lent, try to build your faith. See what you can see. After building your faith, after having the eyes of faith, see for yourself what you can see. We see uh, with faith, we see light behind the darkness. We see hope behind the despair. We see peace behind the war. We see redemption behind the judgment. We see resurrection behind death. The third one is the greed. The worst one. Worst temptation. It not only damages you, it damages others. It causes greatest damage on you. Greed is desire for power and fame. And this world is pretty much basically a victim of greed. That's what it is. They're just following, everybody's just following the greed. Greed after greed. I mean, they just put it in the nice uh, words and the nice things, but when you uh, really see it, they are all victims of greed. That's why there are so many fights, corruption, violence, because of greed. Whatever greed touches, it turns into great, ugly things. I mean, the people who are going really well, and the greed touches and becomes totally ugly. Whatever greed touches, it becomes not gold, but ugly. As long as greed takes hold of you, you can never be a happy person because greed is insatiable. No one can be satisfied. No one can satisfy their greed. That's what greed is. Insatiable by definition. Once you become a slave to your greed, you will never be satisfied and you will never be happy. Jesus told Satan, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Very strange. In the last temptation, he talks about worshiping God. Why did he talk about worshiping God? And I realized, this greed is very much connected with self-worship. Worshipping yourself. Ultimately, it is worshipping yourself. Greed makes you want to be God rather than believe 
much easier to be God than believing in God or loving God. You want so much power, fame, and everything so that you can be God. But also, behind grief, there is tremendous insecurity because you're so insecure, you want to have it all. Wanting to prove yourself to the world. Insecurity. Somebody asked Quincy, jo uh, Quincy, uh, Quincy Jones, uh, you know, when you perform, what is important? Confidence. Confidence is important. What is the difference between confidence and ego? And he said, ego is overdressed insecurity. <laughs> That's all. Overdressed insecurity. I mean, you gotta have confidence, not overdressed insecurity. That's what grief does. Worshiping God is not what you do on Sunday. It's not what you do. It's not activities. Worshiping Worshiping God means to let down our greed, denying ourselves, and give yourselves to God. It is to stop being God and be thankful. Ask yourself, who do you worship? Yourself or God? Money? One thing bad about this greed is very, very uh, hard to really pinpoint because it's not just about money and sex and then all other things, but greed also happens in religious circle. Piety, self-righteousness. Those who are really faithful, they, the greed comes in, they become, uh, they become totally self-righteous. Disciples followed Jesus at first because of the power they saw in Jesus. They saw Jesus' miracles, Jesus' authority. So when they followed Jesus, they followed their greed. We started in Mark. While following Jesus, the last journey uh, Jesus had was just lonely road to cross to Jerusalem all by himself. While on the road, all disciples were talking about who is greater than each other. I'm better than you. Kind of, they were arguing about that. And another argument was, who's going to sit on your right hand, on your left hand? They were arguing about that while Jesus was going to the cross. In other words, they were following. When Jesus was following uh, to the cross, uh, they were following their own greed. But at the end, they changed. They gave up their greed. At the end, they realize following greed is like 
chasing emptiness, chasing a rainbow. He realized. I hope that we all realize that. Following greed is like chasing a rainbow. And they found the beauty of serving. The real happiness is in serving, serving God and serving each other. That's what gives anybody the most satisfying happiness. That's what Jesus came to show us. This is what Jesus said. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life a ransom for many. Pursuing power, showing and displaying power was not the way of Jesus' life. Serving and giving himself away were Jesus' way of living. During this Lent, let us overcome these these three temptations. What are they? Worry, doubt, and greed. Can we suffer from amnesia? So I'm asking you. <laughs> Worry, doubt, and greed. So when we can come out of this Lent, I hope that we come out stronger, freer, so that we can live not less than ourselves, but more than ourselves with the help of God. Let us say together. Is it amen to God? Let us sing together.